0: I don't know if you're aware, but we've had a special presence, guest, on us uh, for the last two weeks or so. And uh, she's going to come up front. Kate Fernandez. Kate, you will lead this please.
1: friend brought me to youth group um, when I was in grade six and um, and I just got stuck in and um, made a lot of friends and I was like I think I believe this stuff and I ended up saying mom and dad can I get a church on Sunday and so they would drive me here and drop me off and pick me up at the end and and um, they've been amazing but that's how I landed here
0: great and what kind of things have you been involved in and you since those 11 years yeah so I
1: really got sections to the youth group Christina and her family have been amazing and um, little second family to me, really got locked um, in with the halts as well, and they were just kind of my church family here, and um, just um, was attending youth group, out out Sunday school, um, then transitioned when I started the university, sort of helping with the youth group, and kind of giving back to um, what I was so thankful to have growing up, um, and then started working at the day camps in the summer when we kind of expanded our scheme and wanted to do, when Justina you know, was like, let's do two months a day camp, because one wasn't crazy enough. Um, So she (laughs) hired a couple of us uh, young people who she thought had the energy to do it. um, And so we did that a couple summers. And then about a year and a half ago, during one of those summer camps, um, some of you would know Jen and Dave who were here, um, our British friends who were with us for a bit. um, So you can blame them for taking me away for a bit. But they um, put me in touch with a vicar at a church in England um, who was looking for a nanny and a church employee. last summer, or last summer, two summers ago, I kind of worked with that with Justina, and I kind of said to her, oh, this is crazy, and I went over it, and she said, "Okay, hey, this is it, this is what you're doing. This, this is your act of prayer, so I was kind of looking for something along those lines, so she really went it right
0: Great. So I was thinking, you've got a great biological family here in Winnipeg. They, they really love you, they're awfully, still awfully fond of you, I know that. <laughs> yeah, and that's great. And you've got a church family here in Elam yeah. and now you have this new church family in England. What kind of things has God been teaching in the last year and a half?
1: Yeah, um I think if I could say it in one word, I just really well, that's not one word. Um <laughs> I just really recognize yeah. God's faithfulness and I think that's something I didn't necessarily re- rely on before. Um, I think being here, I was really blessed. My family is so supportive of me coming to church and being a Christian. And I'm really lucky that way. Um, but always having stuff and you know going to school and having that paid for and coming here, and, you know, living quite an easy life relative to the rest of the world. I don't think I ever really understood how much I need to rely on him for my strength. Um, and then kind of moving over to England, kind of having I didn't know a single person, um, never lived out of my parents' house, kind of realized, oh wait a second world's a bit of a bigger place than I imagined. Um, and just first year, I spoke in September and I think I reflected on my first year that I was quite difficult in different ways, but amazing in other ways. Um, but just realizing that even in the good times and in the hard times, actually, um, God was always really there, even if I didn't recognize it. and He was just really faithful and you know, providing me with these extra families and these friends and a new place to live and just, in every step of it, it might not have been ideal, but on my own stream it would have been way less ideal <laughs> and god's just been so much bigger and yeah cool
0: great so how do we pray for you going ahead
1: good question well they've offered me so i've been there as of august my music expires and it the been two years um, and they've offered me an extension on my contract they would really like me to stay which is really nice um makes me feel like oh i'm actually <laughs> um, good at my job which is good um, i'm working full time at the church now i didn't say that i'm doing some work um, like some personal assistant, kind of PA work for the vicar at the church, um, as well as doing some youth work and just general admin over the church. So my role in the next year would be quite heavily admin, but also getting to pursue different kind of realms of ministry. So they kind of say, Kate, do you want to preach? Kate, do you want to lead this service? Or Kate, what do you want to do and explore kind of my gift and, and what that looks like in the future. It's so kind of thinking maybe full-time ministries for me or whatever. They're really giving me a chance to explore that. Um, but just try to discern whether that's staying there another year, another couple of years, coming home. I think I'm just in a place where I'm you know, caught between two really lovely options, and I feel like God's like, hey, okay, two good options, just choose. But um, just so, for Wizard of Peace in the next kind of month of deciding.
0: Okay, well, that's great for you. Okay. <coughs> Father, we're grateful for Kate. Thank you for bringing to this family and giving her another family in England. We ask that you bless her biological family here too. Lord, I pray that you give her wisdom and discernment moving ahead. We pray that for all of us. We need your wisdom and discernment in making big decisions. And we're excited to see what you're going to continue to do in Cain's life. Thank you for letting us be, for allowing us to be a sending church as well as a receiving church. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of us have ever gone to a family reunion, especially as a young child? Maybe this has never happened to you, but you go as a young child, or you're, maybe you're developing into an adolescent, trying to develop your own sense of self and your own independence, and some dear little old aunt comes and pinches your cheek, and oh, you're just like your dad, or just like your mom, or, you're just a chip off the old block, and you're going, Right? I don't want to be a chip off a of bull market, I want to be myself, but it's understandable. Generally, um, biology, thing says that like produces like, so we shouldn't be surprised if we look, resemble our biological parents, right? Um, and for those of us who maybe didn't grow up with our biological family, we still picked up habits and values and things like that from the family that we lived in, our family of origin. So we really can't escape that. It might be a physical trait or a gesture or a habit that we just pick up, usually unintentionally. We just kind of pick that up. Several years ago, I was uh, visiting a cousin in uh, BC. It was at a conference there. And his wife had not seen me for a long time. In my, this may be hard to believe, But when I was younger, I had lots, I still have lots of hair, but it was a different color. It was thick and dark and bushy. But something odd happened in my early 30s. I started developing this silver streak down the middle, kind of a a skunk streak. It wasn't intentional, it was just biological. And I went to visit my cousin out of Vancouver. I don't have any biological brothers, but I have several first cousins in my age range, males on my father's side, and lo and behold, my cousin had the same skunk streak, and his wife took one look at me, and before she even said hello, she said, you're a hill, I was like, okay, so I guess that was her badge of honor, and now the streak has kind of turned into a whole mob, but that's what it looked like, So, it's no surprise for us to have some kind of a family resemblance, and again, however your circumstances are, even in the group of people that we grew up with, even if we're not directly related to them biologically, we still pick up things. Whether it's nature or nurture, we still pick up things from our family of origin. What we've been trying to establish all through the book of Ephesians is that we have been adopted into God's family. God is our adoptive father. And the whole point of the message today is that God's desire for us is that we imitate him. We look like him. God's desire for his kids is that we actually look like him and take on his values. Let me explain. And now, it would be easy to take this message out of context and just give you, and make you feel like it's just a list of, another list of rules, things I'm not supposed to do, or things that I'm supposed to do. It's nothing to do with that. This is God's heart. This is a a loving parent telling their child, this is what I want to get across to you. This is what I want to communicate to you. This is, this is what's really important about our family and how we live out our lives and, and interact with each other. So we have a new family. And Paul says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to God. It would be very easy for us again to leave this morning thinking, oh no, God has just added to my to-do list. He's given me all these things. Um, This is not a moralistic sermon telling us to pick up our socks and do better. The whole point of it is that we have a loving Father, a loving God, who desires to bless us and impart his love to us and provide everything we need. This is how Jesus describes his heavenly Father. He's talking to a crowd of people. This is from Matthew chapter 7. And he says, Now you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? A lot of human parents, we kind of get by with the bare minimum, and this is not meant to induce guilt in parents. We we try to be consistently adequate, right? Well, Jesus is saying, even to you people who are trying to be consistently adequate in your parenting, how much more does God, as our Father, love us and desire to bless us? Now, typically, we fall into two errors when we think about God as our Father. We think of Him, first of all, as this stingy, grumpy, Withholding, nasty kind of person who grudgingly dispenses blessings with an eyedropper, not with a whole bucket or a fire hose. Okay, you want grace again, eh? You screwed up again. All right, uh, I'll get up the eyedropper. And there's a bit. Of, don't do it again. I hate when you come groveling. That's some people's perception of God. You may think that's funny, but some people live with that. They're afraid to come to God and say, oh, I did it again. Shame and fear keeps them back from fully embracing and just running to God. Who loves ragamuffins, Who loves people in need? Or other people have this idea that, well, i really gotta, I really got to pull up my socks and maybe I got to earn this because we're so used to earning people's approval. You know, somebody raises the bar and we say, "Okay, how high do we jump?" and we jump over the bar and feel a lot of accomplishment and jumping over the bar, I'm going to be good enough to do this. I'm going to make it. So they think that to get what they need from God, they subtly try to manipulate Him. God, join the choir. God leading a small group of church. God, I actually put money in the offering today. What do you think? Oh, by the way, can you help me out with such and such? So there's a couple of misconceptions there. We think of God as a stingy, grumpy old person, or we think that we have to subtly manipulate God, or we try to manipulate Him, make Him do what we want by following the rules. Jesus says, no, 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 it's it's neither of those things. God wants to give us himself, his love, just by adopting us and and being in our family. So we have a new identity. Um, And Paul is explaining to this, what does this identity look like? We're his dearly loved children. That's how God feels about us. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Jesus. Jesus we just come through Easter. Good Friday, Easter. Wow, talk about God's love and victory over sin. Did any of that rub off? I hope so. Because people will strain and work hard at accomplishing things in life. Real Olympics are coming up. People really working hard to, to make the team, to perform up to standards. Why should we, in response to God's love, say to ourselves, I'm just responding to how God feels about me. I'm going to ask him to help me live a life of love too. I want to be like him. So we have a new family. Just as Kate was talking about the different families that God has given her literally around the world, God has given us a new family, a new place to belong. Because we have a new family, we've got a new value system. Every family has rules, whether they're written or unwritten. And if you you transition to become a a part of a new family, you kind of have to figure out how things work and, and how people relate to each other. Well, God's family has got some really healthy values, healthy ways of doing things. And the reason they may be really jarring and abrupt for many of us is because we're not used to living in health. We're used to living in dis-ease and unhealth and wrong perspectives on life. That's why Paul is saying, now remember, he's writing this book, this letter, to people in Ephesus. Ephesus was a large city in the Mediterranean at that time with a very large temple to Artemis. The Greek goddess, Greek fertility goddess, there's a lot of immorality there. Temple prostitution was part of the worship. It was okay for men to have something on the side, so to speak, but women were supposed to stay in the home, loyal to their husband, raise the kids, and don't ask too many questions. You think it's oppressive today to be a woman? It was a lot worse back then. Well, we'll get to that in, a, in another sermon later on in Ephesians. But anyway, there was a lot of sexual immorality going on. Impurity, greed, such place such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse coarse jokes, these things aren't for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Paul's trying to communicate to the Ephesians. Look, you guys, get your heads up out of the ditch, out of the trough, and have a look around and change your values. Greed is all about getting. Greed is all about me, me, me. And immorality and impurity is all about satisfying my needs. That's not why God created sex. God created sex to celebrate the union of one woman and one man in a committed marriage relationship, to be truly intimate and to explore the beauty of that commitment. That's what he intended it for. You don't take something really, really valuable and just throw it on the street you wouldn't take your most prized possessions and, and use them carelessly. We, I mean, it reminds me of a story about my, my my cousins with the skunk street. They were a lot of fun. We loved these cousins. They were a lot of fun. But when they came to visit, we would hide all the good toys. Because they were really rough. And things got broken and not put back together. So we learned to hide all the really good toys. Even though we loved them. We are very fond of them. So you take something special, and you just don't use it carelessly, right? Because things get broken, and they get messed up, and they get wrecked. So we would take our good toys and hide them, let them play with the other stuff, and we'd have a good time visiting. We learned that in the hard way. Some of us have learned the hard way that God's given of sexuality shouldn't be used just kind of carelessly. Sometimes we're taken advantage of, sometimes we take advantage of other people, that's why God hates a greedy attitude. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. And a greedy person worships themselves. There's no room for God. Only one person can sit on the throne of your life at a time. It's either you or God. you got to figure it out. Okay? And you can keep trying to push God off the throne, but you live with the consequences. Maybe you heard it here first. or Maybe this is just a reminder. If it's any consolation, the preacher is also preaching to himself. So we are all in this together. So, God is saying, there's no place for greediness and selfishness in my family. Okay? Because of how much we've been given. by those who try to excuse these sins because the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Once you were full of darkness, but now you're light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Let this light within you produce only what is good and right and true. Now some of you might think, oh, that's kind of boring. Good and right and true. Think about it. The stuff in life that's good and right and true is the stuff that gives life to people. It's the stuff that gives health to people. So many of us try to run away from our pain and run away from the mistakes we've made, and it doesn't work because our mistakes and our sins, they're chained to our leg and we can't escape them. We can't escape them. But God says Let the light that's within you, the light of Jesus, produce what's good and right and true. And you'll discover with that health that comes from following Jesus, that that sense of being clean and put back together and and restored. Remember I said last, last week that one of the reasons Jesus died is to restore us and to restore the creation and put things back together again the way they should be. That's God's goal, transforming us, putting us back together. That's why Paul says, stay away from all these greedy, unhealthy things. Turn your back on them and pursue what's good and right and true. So we got a new family, we got our new values, now we have a new lifestyle. So, use your gray matter. You've been wondering what this stuff is between your ears. It's not there to prevent the wind from whistling through your head. Carefully determine what pleases God. Use your brain. And just to be specific, use the front part of your brain, okay? Not the instinctive lizard, what my friend Nathan calls your lizard brain, where we just kind of respond and react to things. But scientists would call it your prefrontal cortex. Use your brain. Use the thinking part of your brain and carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Use discernment. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even talk about the things that ungodly people do in, in, in secret. Now, when we say expose, that doesn't mean going around pointing out other people's sins. That's not really helpful. And that's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. As somebody trying to do that with me this week and it just put me in an awkward situation. I said, you need to go to talk to the person directly involved because this is not an appropriate way of dealing with it. The way we expose people's sin is we just live in the light. We're not living to make people feel bad, but if we follow a life that's full of what is good and right and true, just by the way we live, other people are going to notice the difference. And they might feel a little bit convicted or guilty or whatever. It's not that we go around polishing our halos and trying to look good and be super holy. We just try to follow Jesus figure things out and be healthy ourselves. That will attract some people. That will repel some people, depending on what God's Spirit is doing in them. But Paul is saying, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Use this part of your brain up here with the help of the Holy Spirit to make wise choices in your new lifestyle. And remember that new family determines our new values, which determines our new lifestyle. As for the other people, their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on, shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That's why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Most commentators think that these last three phrases are from an ancient Christian hymn. That's why it's written a little bit differently in the text. But Paul's trying to tell people that God wants his kids to grow up to be just like him. Creative, filled with love. Does that mean you're going to be able to uh, roll up your sleeves and just sort of make a galaxy happen? No, likely not. But he wants us to imitate his character, full of love, grace, and truth. We are working and asking God to help us to become a community that's known for grace and truth here at Elam Chapel, right? I think that's what God wants us to do, grace and truth together. You can't separate them. You need them. And that's why God is saying, Guys, I want you to grow up to be just like me. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wants us to be full of grace and truth as well. So why should we bother trying to live a life that pleases God? And as I was saying before, athletes strain for a chance to win the Stanley Cup. The playoffs are starting soon. And we'll see two months of missing teeth and sweat and agony and bruises just to be able to hold a cup, right? So people put that that much effort and work into something that, eh, may or may not last. Why should we focus everything we've got on following Jesus? Not to get His approval, but because we already have His approval. Do you understand? It's totally different. It's just a natural response to his generosity. So if he's chosen us to be our, his children, then it's perfectly natural we just want to imitate him. Remember that the opposite of love is lust. It's greed. It's wanting stuff for ourselves. And that's why God's saying, no, 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 we have new values. It's not about getting. It's not about me, me, me. It's about God, God, God. And as we obey him and allow him space in our lives to change us, then being part of this new family will see us change our values and will change our lifestyle and we'll discover why God made us in the first place. We'll discover this abundant life that some Christians talk about so much. It's not just a theoretical thing. Living with God is not just a theoretical concept for super-Christians. It's not. But knowing His presence and power and grace and truth in our lives every day, whether we're changing a diaper, that one's for Tom, or on the bus or cutting the grass or doing some kind of routine task or talking to someone who's kind of challenging or talking to someone we love, just living life God wants to transform us to be like him so we discover what life is all about. The solution to greed really is thanksgiving, having a heart. That's one of the things that will help you fight greed because instead of demanding more, you realize what God has already given us. So as God calls us to be children of light, open and transparent, and as we do that, as we live joyfully in God's presence, we have nothing to hide from Him, nothing to justify, uh, to self-justify. We'll learn how to relate well to other people as well. And we'll turn our backs on all those lifestyle choices that are barren and unproductive, with no lasting beneficial results. Anything exposed to light becomes visible, and allows evil to just to see evil for what it is. But the Christian life helps us see the ugliness and barrenness of sin, and to repent and follow Jesus. And that's what God is inviting us to today. He's saying, "Kids, I'm giving you everything you need, all the resources to grow up to be just one." Yeah, you've got a couple of options. We all have a couple of options with this message. We can ignore it. And go home and talk about Rick's gray hair. Maybe that's all you got out of it. Or you can go home, we can go home and think, wow, how do I reflect God? Are the things he wants me to put off? Are the things he wants me to put on? and recognize we can't do that by sheer willpower. I admire people who are self-disciplined. I do. But let me submit to you, if you really want to make lasting change in your life, you run to the cross, you hang on to it for dear life and say, Jesus, have mercy, help me to change. One step at a time, one choice at a time. Help me to carefully consider with the front part of my brain to make good choices. Set me free from this junk that trips me up and is ruining my life. Now that's an invitation. You don't have to do it. I think we would be all really wise if we did it. But God loves us so much as his children, he gives us the choice. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would bless this family table. It's easy for us to get caught up in selfishness greed and immorality and our old lifestyle, we want to turn our back on that junk and follow you and experience you. So I pray that as we share this meal together, you will help us to cast off the stuff that's dragging us down and to put on new qualities and make better choices. Give us the strength to do this by your Holy Spirit. Jesus name